Welcome to Think Bible, the podcast that exists to challenge, edify, and encourage Christian women to think and live biblically, all for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome, friends, to the Think Bible podcast. And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and grandmothers and great-grandmothers out there listening today. It's a privilege to honor you this weekend as the backbone of our families and our society. We all know that mothers make the world go round for their children. They are our comforters, our cheerleaders, our friends, and our teachers. Where would we be without them? But I believe their influence far surpasses the cradle or even the home. The way our mothers raise us affects how we view the world and everything in it. Thank God for making mothers. I know some of you are sad this Mother's Day that you have not yet become a mother, or maybe you've learned you will never become a mother. I grieve with you too over that loss. But each of us does have a mother. Life is impossible without them. So let's remember them and celebrate the ladies that have invested themselves into us this time. As we're thinking about Mother's Day, uh, I want to offer a few bits of practical advice that I've been learning in my 26 years of parenting. Now, I certainly don't claim to know everything. I know some of you have far more experience. You have more children than I, older children, etc., But these are the thoughts that God has put on my heart lately, and I want to encourage those of you who may be going through a bit of a difficult patch in your parenting. Let's start by thinking through this scenario. You wake up at 6 a.m. to the sound of silence. Ah, you think, I'm finally up before the kids. I can enjoy some quiet time with my Bible and a cup of coffee before the chaos of this day begins. This is fantastic. You shower leisurely and head to the kitchen at 6.30, only to find Cheerios strewn all across the floor. Every banana in the bunch has been peeled. Milk spilled across the table. And your three-year-old, smiling sheepishly, covered head to toe in peanut butter. Has anything like that ever happened to you? Well, later that evening, your tween comes home from her friend's birthday party uh, around 5.30. You're expecting company for dinner at 6, and you really need to get the table set and put the finishing touches on the meal. You've just finished cleaning the bathroom, vacuuming the carpet, when she runs in the front door, dropping her unfinished cupcake with sprinkles, onto the carpet, showering everything nearby her with glitter from her skin and her hair and her clothes, and making an even huger mess in the bathroom as she attempts to clean everything up. After you, not so quietly, explain that your company will be arriving soon, she proceeds to tell you every detail of the last four hours, including everyone's responses everyone else's words and actions, every present the birthday girl received, which ones she wanted and which ones she didn't want, and why, every first, middle, and last name of every girl at the party, along with their birth dates and what they were wearing, 
more and more. You finally get things somewhat cleaned up just in time for your guests to arrive. You know what that's like. Around 10 o'clock that night, you finally stretch your legs out on the couch and take a deep breath. You've survived another day, despite all the craziness. Just then, you hear your 17-year-old son pull into the driveway, coming home from his part-time job. He slams through the door with a scowl on his face, and is that a tear on his cheek? When you ask what's wrong, he mumbles, nothing, and heads for his bedroom. Three days later, you find out he's been stopped for speeding on his way home from school. And since he didn't have his license, registration, or proof of insurance, he's required to appear in court in just six weeks. Have you ever had a day like that? I think some of you probably have. Or perhaps your parenting experiences look more like doctor's visits, hospital stays, medications, and side effects. Your expectations are gone, and you are left with only questions. Your once joyful, buoyant child now sits quietly in bed most days with a hollow look in her eyes. Maybe you wish your toddler could make a mess getting his own breakfast. Maybe you wish your daughter could talk your ear off for no good reason. Maybe you wish your son could drive to school, to play in the band, or to try out for soccer, but you know that will never happen because of a disability or a special need or a long illness. I frequently said the only thing harder than letting your kids leave the nest is when you realize that they never will. Well, what do all these things have in common? While some things can be humorous, especially in hindsight, others are quite serious, yet they do have similarities. They are all hard things to parent through. Each one has different aspects that make them hard, but as parents, going through the thick of a certain stage or a problem, we can all feel overwhelmed, frustrated, and almost drowning in the emotions of the day. But what is it that makes each stage difficult, so difficult, and yet still the same? I would say unmet expectations. While the children were expanding their view of what they wanted to do, their physical bodies and minds cannot always keep up with those ideas. And sometimes it's us, their parents, who have big dreams and goals for our kids, but for whatever reason, they may not be able to meet those goals. For a toddler, expectations might look like the fact that they want to dress themselves, but they don't have the coordination to get their chubby legs in the right side of the pants, or their arms are too short to pull their shirt over their head. They can't figure out which foot each shoe belongs on, and when they try to help, they end up making a really big mess. For our tweens, those awkward, gangly middle school schoolers, they can't quite decide if they're going to be a kid or a teen, just like a toddler can't decide if she wants to be a baby or a big girl. One day, the tween wants to play with dolls and swing and slide at the playground, and yet the next day, she wants to curl her hair and put on makeup. Or the boys want to play with trucks in the dirt, but the next day, they're trying to impress a girl with their cool new shoes or basketball skills. 
My tweens used to follow me around the house all day long, just like my toddlers did, wanting me to see and approve everything they did throughout the day. And sometimes these young people would attempt things that were just a little beyond their abilities. And again, they would create a mess or worse, a real problem. And what about young adults? That's where I'm parenting right now. Some have grown up and moved on, but it's kind of a long stage. Those poor kids, they look grown up. They often seem to be grown up. They know how to act grown up, but they don't always have the knowledge or the experience to actually be a grown up. For example, they might know how to drive, but they don't know how to get the car licensed and insured. While they could faithfully work a job, they don't know how to file and pay their taxes yet. They want to be independent, and they really are for so many things, but they still need direction and advice frequently. And if they make a mistake, the consequences could be serious and long-lasting. What about those of you who have a child with a special need or a sickness, whether it be long or short-term? You know we've been privileged to care for our daughter, Rachel, for 26 years now. Because she was born 16 weeks prematurely, she has cerebral palsy. Her mobility and function are sometimes limited, as is her brain's ability to process information. But we choose to teach her that God has made her this way on purpose, for purpose. He has a plan for her life, and that includes cerebral palsy. But her life doesn't look anything like her twin sister's. There were moments all throughout her childhood when we had to recognize what was truly a possibility that simply needed more work and time, or when we had reached the boundaries in certain areas. It was, it still is, hard. But her life, her unique birth, and her subsequent developmental delay was not an accident. It wasn't a mistake or an oversight on God's part. And the same is true for your child whatever her diagnosis may be. Whether the situation involves physical care, mental health, cognitive delays, something else, a combination of all of these, special needs kids are a challenge to our physical stamina and even more to our faith and trust in our Lord. So how can we help our kids and ourselves through some of these difficult stages, whether they be transitional or long-term? Well, I think it may be as much for our own sanity as theirs, but we must practice patience. Patience, or rather consistency, is a really big part of discipline, but it goes beyond that. We have to patiently help our toddlers when they're at the end of their rope, melt down and all. We must patiently encourage our tweens to grow in maturity and responsibility And we must patiently instruct our young adults in the practices that will grow them into full-fledged adults, ready to handle life independently. We must also patiently accept whatever limitations or needs God has lovingly placed upon our kids. He always knows what is best, whether we understand it or not. It takes patience to repeat a lesson 25 times before the kids finally get it. 
They want to try their own ways, their own methods, which is understandable, but it can sorely try the patience of the onlooker, especially mom. It takes patience to clean up the mess your three-year-old made when trying to fix her own breakfast. It takes patience to listen to your 12-year-old explain every single detail that happened at that birthday party yesterday afternoon. It takes patience to unravel the mess your child made when he got a speeding ticket and didn't have his license. It takes patience to deal with insurance and get the medicine refilled again and go to therapy and surgery and appointments. It takes patience to deal with a child who will never mature past a certain stage. It takes patience to respond to each of these scenarios appropriately and without losing your temper. It takes patience to be a good example of discipline and self-control to our children day in and day out. Patience is really important. Secondly, we must constantly, consistently point our children back to God. Each of these needs in our kids' lives is a big red flag that they really need God. Whether their struggles are little or big, what better opportunity is there to remind them that no human being can actually do life on their own? As moms, we tend to swoop in and try to fix everything for our kids. That's what our mama heart wants to do. But it's really better to let them struggle a little bit. Let them see that they need God. We all do at every level, every moment, every scenario, every day. Scripture says, with God, nothing is impossible, and without Him, we can do nothing, not even breathe on our own. So when you speak to a frustrated, crying little one, remind her that God cares about even the little details. Tell her it's okay to ask for help. Let her hear you ask God for help every day. Remind yourself how God is always listening to you and extend that same favor to your middle schooler and put down your phone, by the way, and look her in the eye. Confide to your teen that you have made similar mistakes as she has, but by the grace of God you've learned, and she will too. Reassure every one of them of your love. Never withhold your love, no matter what is going on. And when you're talking to a special needs child or one going through illness, there are countless examples in the scripture that we can point our kids to of God's faithfulness to always be with us no matter what. Give your child the words of God from the Bible to help them through these difficult times. For a young one, it might just be children, obey your parents, or be kind to one another. Or maybe, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. For older kids, you can help them find specific passages that apply to their current specific needs. I can do all things through Christ is a great one, not as a license to do whatever we want, but as assurance that God will help your kids accomplish everything he has called them to do. But it's important to train your kids to know that all the answers to all of life's problems are found in the Word of God. And finally, pray for your children. 
Have you ever heard that it's hard to be angry or put out with someone for whom you are praying? Well, this is even more true of our own families. Think Bible's blog this week was a compilation of many mothers' prayers for their children, and I did this on purpose to give you plenty of ideas from which to draw. There really are some fantastic prayers there. But when you pray, pray specifically, not just help him or help her, but pray about their specific circumstances, their struggles, their weaknesses, even their sins. Pray for their current needs and pray about their future. Pray for wisdom to parent them wisely. But especially, and above all else, pray scripture for your kids. The will of God is expressed in the word of God. And he says that when we pray according to his will, he hears us. What a powerful tool we have in prayer. I recently started using a prayer notebook designed by my friend Ruth Bumgardner. She's been a guest blogger on Think Bible twice, and you can find more about her and her materials at www.ruthbumgardner.com. And I'm going to spell her name so you can find that www.ruthbumgardner.com. Well, Ruth has a list in her materials of ways to pray for our children, whether they be old or young. And I want to share some of those ideas here along with the scripture from which they are taken. Pray that your children will know the scriptures, which are able to make them wise unto salvation. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. There's an unspoken command here that as parents we need to teach our kids those scriptures so that they can know them. But pray that as you do teach, the Holy Spirit will settle those lessons, those verses and words in your kids' hearts and minds. Pray that after they are saved, they will continue to grow in grace and in the knowledge of of Jesus Christ. This comes from 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and now and forever. Amen. I think there's a second request mentioned in there that we might overlook, but it's that every one of us is created to bring glory to God. That is our purpose on earth. Help your kids know that. Help them grow so that they can do that. Pray that they will learn obedience. This is really the first lesson of a child. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And beyond obedience is honor and respect for their parents, which Ephesians 6.2 teaches. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Pray that your kids will have a fear of the Lord and a heart for him. This is kind of my sweet spot verse that I pray for my children pretty much daily. Deuteronomy 5.29 Oh, that there were such an heart in them, 
that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Now you can't tell just from that verse, but when you look at the context, God is the one speaking. He's teaching Moses what he wants for the children of Israel. If this is God's prayer for his children, don't you think it's a good prayer for our children too? Pray that they will know and serve God. First Chronicles 28.9 says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. So David is instructing his son. And serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Another good prayer for our children is that they will come to hate sin. Psalm 97.10 Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. He preserveth the soul of his saints, and he delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. And help them understand, and pray that they will understand, that sin will be found out. Numbers 32, 23b says, Be sure your sin will find you out. Pray that your children will make good friends. Proverbs thirteen twenty, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. And then... 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Friends are so important. They really influence us a lot. And you don't want your kids to be influenced by fools and those that are evil. Pray about that for them. Pray also that they will learn to submit to God. James 4.7 Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. While that sounds easy, we all know that it really can be very difficult, especially when God's plans don't line up with our own. I think that's what we're talking about even today, as far as parenting goes, but sometimes it's a career, sometimes a spouse, sometimes um, a living situation or place. Pray that they will always submit their will to God, just as Jesus submitted to the Father's will. Pray also that your children will have a repentant heart, because we know that all of us will sin. Psalm 51, 1-3, this is David's prayer to God after his sin with Bathsheba was discovered. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my, mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Notice that David takes responsibility for his own sins, and then he pleads for forgiveness based upon the character of God, not because he deserves it. Pray that your children will be teachable. Proverbs 13.1 A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner 
hears not rebuke. Pray that they will learn to be servants to others, just as Jesus was. We see this in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. This is sort of a catch-all verse. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Pray that God will direct their paths as they learn to trust in him. That they will be able to trust God for their futures, for a ministry, for a spouse, and their family, and all these things that children want to know um, as they're growing up. What does God want from me? Pray. God will show them. Pray that they will remain pure for their mate and their mate for them. 1 Corinthians 6 talks about this. In verse 18, it says, flee fornication. And then we jump down to verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Pray that your children will surrender their heart and life completely to God. This is a lot like trusting him and submitting to him, but being willing to let God do whatever he chooses with their lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And lastly, at least for today, Colossians 4.12, pray exactly what it says, that they will stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. So these are my thoughts. Yes, it's somewhat taken from my experience, but more importantly, it comes from God's word, especially the ways we can pray for our children. And in general, how we cope, how we thrive or survive, really, uh, through some of the more difficult seasons of parenting. Remember, as you go through these days and through these various times, practice patience with your children. Point them back to God in every situation and pray for them specifically every day. May God bless each of you as you continue in the high calling of motherhood. You've been listening to the Think Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Please visit us at our website, www.thinkbible.online to learn more about our ministry or to take advantage of the resources we have there for you. That's www.thinkbible.online. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the name Think Bible. 
Until next time, let's all think and live biblically for the glory of God.